Welcome to Something About Science. I'm one of your hosts, Danielle, and today we have a conversation on a topic that intersects health, genetics, and future generations. We'll be discussing the fascinating research conducted by researchers at the Karolinska Institute about how polycystic ovary syndrome, or PCOS, can affect not only women, but also future generations of men. In this interview, we had the privilege of speaking to two distinguished researchers about their research that challenges the way we think about polycystic ovary syndrome and its wider implications. So without further ado, let's delve into this fascinating conversation. I have been studying PCOS for, yeah, I think it is soon 30 years. And from the beginning, it was uh, very much uh, trying to ease their symptoms. But then more and more, my focus have focused on trying to understand the mechanism behind the syndrome. So my research has always been translational. So we, I have done both clinical studies and um, using different animal models and develop different animal models depending on the purpose of, of what we want to investigate. And um, along this, more and more, we, we use the model, this model that is in this paper that we call prenatal androgen exposure, uh, which means that we mimic the pregnant woman with PCOS. Um, we know that PCOS is is a very has a strong heredity, um, as we shown in our previous paper, that it is yeah five percent at least develop PCOS um, at adult age. But I would say that I think that number should be the double, because what we use there is actually our Swedish registers, and we are not diagnosing and they are not getting the diagnose. So with that said, so uh, then there are not so many models uh, investigating the pregnant PCOS woman. It is this in mice, the prenatal androgenized model, but quite a lot of work have been done in the rhesus monkeys and in sheep. Um, we do have rhesus monkeys at KI, but it is, I have never worked with that. I don't think you have been involved in any of this research either, Shodin. No. Oh, not no, not monkey. <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, um, so we, before this study, we did quite a number of studying both rats and mice that we exposed the pregnant dam for androgens during late pregnancy to mimic the pregnant PCOS woman that always have higher androgens uh, during pregnancy compared to women without the syndrome. And before this, we have demonstrated that the offspring they develop a PCOS-like phenotype. They become more obese, they have irregular cycles, and they also get some pregnancy problems and yeah, metabolic uh, features, insulin resistance and adipose tissue dysfunction. But none had really studied whether it could be transmitted to second and later third generation that is not exposed so I think the beauty of what we have done here is that we can really try to distangle what happened in the humans that we always have genes <laughs> blurring up. Uh, here we, we can really study what happens with this exposure um, to the germ cells, to the somatic cells um, and how it is transmitted. 
so yeah, that is. So we are continue with this. Um, there are. It's always like this. When you get do one study, you more or less you have already pl- placed that behind you, and now you continue with other studies. But it is um, there is much more to do. Yeah, brilliant. And um, would you like to? Uh, yeah. So, so for me, I mean, I'm 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 much younger than Lisa, so that's not like years of research. Yeah, so my background. She's the next generation. <laughs> She's the second generation. <laughs> I can mentor. That's was nice. And uh, so my background is a development biologist and a stem cell researcher. So when I started my lab, 2015, so almost 10 years ago. So it is uh, the interest is the germ cells. So which because I really interested to see how the our genetic epigenetic kind of heritage can be transmitted to the to the future generation because. Yeah, because I'm also development biology. I'm really um, interested in the in the in the uh, the embryo development, uh, like cell type specifications in this case. So um, when I started lab, so one thing is besides the germs, there there's more and more this kind of uh, development origin of health and the disease. So a lot of attention also lay on this epigenetic inheritance, which not only like a genetic material. And they can define, I mean, all the affect the future generation is also we are exposed to this uterine environment, which uh, uh, kind of because during the development is really plastic or uh, kind of uh, a development plasticity, we call it, because we really respond to a lot of signals to to change the gene expression. So that is major, like a true, very strong interest uh, when I started my lab. So. And I think uh, me and Lisa still thinking, try to remember how we hook it up, actually. So, but, but I, I think I, actually it was then because Charlene was in a, at the da- another department. So yeah. it was then the head of the department came and talked to me. Yeah, I, we have this young researcher that is interested to join the exactly. Department of Physiology and Pharmacology. Mm. Yeah. Would yeah. you be interested in this? And then I, I checked her CV and what she had done. I was like, yeah, wow, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take exactly. her here. So, we are, by that time, we are using this single cell sequencing technique. During my postdoc, I was working with Richard Sandberry, who is like the uh, the inventor with the smart sex, uh, basically, technology for the single cell sequencing. So I've been using it for the analyzing the, the early, like, blastocyster kind of uh, cell lineage uh, Specification. So I was really interested in the maternal uterine environment, and Lisa has done like a, quite a lot number of like research, especially showing like maternal like hyperandrogen environment really affects the the next generation. So I think uh, we start to yeah already started this like uh, yeah. three generations. So I think it's, it's really nice uh, to to really follow this, to see what is like behind this uh, uh, epigenetic inheritance. As said, so we use pure genetic mouse models. So then we can really test away this genetic influence, really look at how the epigenetic uh, affects. So we started collaboration since then. I think since I moved to the FIFA department, uh, like 2017 something, 
And uh, yeah, so I think this line has been always our strong, both like interest from both sides. So we have been kept. That means we yeah. start from the the, 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 the the female progeny and we publish that. I think that was also, I mean, yeah, we, we publish much, much in impactful journal like Nature Medicine, but I, yeah, we are also thinking that's not like re- Received that much info, um, attention until now when we published in the mail project. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it did but, reach a, a lot of attention. Yeah, it, it is. Did. But, but I, but think, I, but I think also it is more like a broad impact because uh, maybe if you PCOS mother, then their uh, daughter also have a PCOS. Maybe something people think is not that strange. But now you also affect the sons and their sons. Then I think something really probably out of people's expectations. So that's why I think probably this is more impact. And uh, of course, we it is not the first time I have published on the male offspring. Yeah, um, I had have had two PhD students that actually have defended their thesis about it. So mm. honestly, I. I I I hope it is not because of this male offspring we are studying here, because I can see also from the general community the femtech is is rising. So it is an, an awareness of female or women's health that is tremendous. True. I don't know what happens here around yeah, because, because it's like everywhere. Recently, exactly. like both, both science and nature actually really highlight this reproduct both reproduction and the woman's health. So highlight it is underfunded and the, the, actually their impact is actually much huge. I mean, we know like their offspring also like offsprings offspring. So it is nice. Maybe as you, I mean, also as you said. So now it's also timing kind of uh, the awareness the uh, and uh, yeah, everything just uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I, something I would like to highlight that what we have done, which I think is something uh, we continuously in our clinical studies, we always do uh, ask them to fill in questionnaires asking for their, their health-related quality of life, anxiety and depression, and um, they are more depressed. And it is not really dri- driven uh, solely by their excessive weight, because P- PCOS is closely linked to obesity, and maybe obesity can even cause PCOS, mm. although not the other way around. So PCOS does not perceive, by, from a genetic point of view, cause obesity. Um, so we did first study that we um, yeah, used this prenatal unrenized uh, model in rats, as, and co-treated with flutamide and tamoxifen. That is, we gave testosterone in that study, so that can be aromatized to estradiol. So we gave both testosterone and flutamide, and testosterone and tamoxifen, and we could see that both in female and in male offspring, they develop an anxiety-like behavior, which can be reversed by both flutamide and tamoxifen. And we could really see that um, uh, we did ICV, you know, when, when you do intracranial um, injections of testosterone. So we didn't have it on whole body level as we have here. Um, and by injecting testosterone for eight days, they develop an anxiety-like behavior. That was 
we did that only in the in the female offspring. So that is also something that is there is a big need to further discuss this. Also, their body dysmorph. How do you say morpho? Body dysmorphia. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so on. So yeah, there is so many things to to do, and um, we try to address each aspect. Yeah, brilliant. Um, honestly, I think we've got everything we need there. That was so thorough and helpful. So thank you so much. We'll definitely be able to get some really good snippets from that. Um, all, have, you, have you got anything else you wanted to add or do you feel like you've covered everything? Yeah, I think for me and also for us, we are really interested in the mechanism also more like uh, really why this is happening and or how this uterine environment can, can change this development trajectory of the the. the the, the the embryo development. I think me and I mean both of us are very interested to maybe more intervention with understanding the the, the mechanism and then we are studying the the form. I mean we're also collaborating studying the placenta's role in actually in I think in the future kind of uh, uh, research we are trying to do more like uh, in the because so they are so we are already published. I mean also Lisa. I mean published a lot of this. Uh, uh, I think evidence-based research. So definitely, we I think we are more and more uh, strongly believe it is kind of inherited in more than one generation. So so now can we do something about it? So I think uh, for our future research is really to test part of the the, the uterine environment where the placentas uh, programming all the really germ cells. So uh, if if they we can can I mean before because before the conceiving the the both outside and all the sperm are in exposed, especially if it's maternal, yeah, the oocyte has been ex exposed in this follicle uterine environment. Is the the oocyte has already been kind of uh, uh, affected? Can we do something about that? So yeah, I think that is the more also my I mean our research kind of um, direction in future to 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 really help this yeah. uh, and do something about it. Mm. Yeah, in the yeah, in the clinical studies uh, that I have ongoing now, we we actually collect tissue samples and whole blood and serum for, and we actually collect free tissues, muscle, fat, and endometrium from the same women that we can do really detailed molecular analysis on single cell level, uh, which I think will really change the field because it has the possibility to really detect uh, true drug targets so we can target the treatment and also potential biomarkers. So I think that is something I think is very important to find markers so we can actually detect it early and advise how to live a good life as a PCOS girl and woman later on. Okay, well, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for listening to Something About Science and don't forget to check out the content discussed as all links are in the description.